as y'all walking back to your seats, uh, just join us back in worship. Surrendered all I am is yours. 
Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. So give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands, 
and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that sees and seeks your face, O God of Jacob. And God, let us be a generation that sees and seeks your face, O God. Jacob, we bow our hearts, we bend our knees, O Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things, O Lord, we cast down our idols. So give us clean hands, and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands, and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation. To seek your face, O God of Jacob. And God, let us be a generation that sees. To seek your face, O God of Jacob. So give us clean hands. Give us pure heart. Let us not lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks to seek your things. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and all the gifts and the blessings with this day. We thank you for your love, for your mercy and your grace. That pool of grace that all men can come to and drink of and have eternal life. Lord, we just pray now in these troubled times that we can just stand upon the rock that sustains us without fear. And always with hope in our heart, take these gifts that we bring before you, multiply them in a way that we can't imagine, and use them to bring a world into your grace and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
usually during the offertory, it's kind of a meditative time. So I want you to think of this. If you had a question that uh, you could ask God this morning during worship, if you could verbalize that question to God this morning, what would that question be? If you could ask God a question this morning, what would that question be? Lincoln, are you still back there? Raise your hand, Lincoln. All right. Did you hear what I just asked? You paying attention? Okay. If you had a chance to ask God a question this morning during worship, what would it be? You got about 10 more seconds before I get there, okay? You ready? You got a question? Can't think of a question? Could your dad ask one? You got a question? What would you ask God this morning? How long am I going to be here? Okay, that's a good question. How long am I going to be on this earth? Who else is a brave soul this morning? You have a question for God during worship this morning. I saw that hand. You could ask God a question this morning. What would it be? Um... Are my children saved? That's a good question. Are my, all my children saved? I was about 17 years old. I was going to youth group. And it hit me at age 17 that everything we do in church... Everything we do in Sunday school comes down to this book, the Bible. Amen? So I had a question. I said, how do we know this book is true? Since my whole life and, every, and the whole life of everybody on the church and everybody is all built on this, how, how do I know this book is true? And one person in the church heard me ask that question. They took the time to, to address that with me. And if you ever have that question, let me tell you, there's more evidence for the validity and the authority of God's Word than for any other piece of literature, period. I would say in antiquity, but I'll even say period, literature, period. Um, so if, if you have doubts, like intellectual doubts this morning about, man, how can I trust Listen, God, God is no intellectual slouch. Amen? <laughs> if he's smart enough and brilliant enough to create this world, he can definitely know how to communicate with us and do it in a way that has authority, that has evidence. You know, another question I had? It was about six months later after that question. I said, if I've got this relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm going to have, you know, it's going to be better than Disney World a million times over. Whatever, you know, the greatest experience I've ever had. Then I had a question, it was actually a question to God about myself. I asked God, I said, then why am I not 
literally bursting to tell other people about it. Because I wasn't. You know, I mean, I could walk down the street, see somebody, hey, hey, hey. And I wasn't going like, oh, I need to tell you about Jesus. You know, because I'm going to heaven. You're not, you may not. I, I, I was like, I, I was, I, the question was, God, why isn't there in me something that is just going, oh, I got to tell somebody. And I, and I meditated on that question with God, you know, for, for months and months. That's a dangerous question to meditate on. You know why? Because you'll vacillate back and forth in a lot of different ways. You know, sometimes you'll come up to somebody and they're like, whoa. And they're like, what's going on? And you know, at that moment you felt convicted, you know, to, to witness to them right on the spot. And you were kind of like a little too intense, you know. But questions. Questions. We're going to look at the scriptures this morning. Open up God's word, if you would, to, um, to Luke. And, and in Luke, I'll never forget, it was so hilarious. If, if, and you probably had this, how many of y'all uh, went to school? Good, 99% of you, good, went to school. But anyway, when you're in school, it, it never fails that, uh, you know, you have a great professor or somebody who's really trying to teach you something, and, and somebody, some student in the class just feels it's their responsibility to... Uh, ask the most brilliant question or try to stump the teacher or sabotage the lecture or do something, okay? Um, and I'll never forget one of the professors I had. He, his favorite quote was this, don't do me like Phil Donahue. Now, I know some of y'all are going, who the heck is Phil Donahue, right? You don't even know who Donahue is. But anyway, years ago, we remember, what would Phil Donahue do? He would ask people what? Relentless questions and put them on the spot, right? And just and, and try to, to focus on. And that's what, I can't believe this. People had the opportunity to actually talk to Jesus. And they thought, well, this is my opportunity to try to put him on the spot. Look at this, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. On one occasion... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Do you hear how kind of silly that is? A human being is now going to stand up and I'm going to test God. I'm going to give God a test. The Son of God a test. Okay, on, a, on an occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? You know, even as believers, or even if you're on a journey towards becoming a believer in Christ, maybe you're not a believer this morning, you're, you're thinking about that. All of us raise questions. 
we ask questions, who's God? Who's Jesus? What does God really require of me? Who is my neighbor? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, through his affirmation here, makes it clear that it's just what we were just singing moments ago, that all that God requires to have eternal life is that we just simply what? Love him with all that we are. With our heart, our mind, our strength, everything that you are, that you just respond to God in love. Now, I have a question. Is there anybody in the universe who loves you like that? Is there anybody in the universe who loves you like God's commanding you to love him? Y'all going to make this sermon last a long time. You don't answer back. It's going to take a long time to get through this sermon. We only have a few minutes, okay? I know, I don't blame you. I wouldn't say anything either. (laughs) Like, what if I'm wrong? (laughs) You're smarter than what I give you credit for, don't I? Well, we know there is somebody who loves us like that, right? God's not going to command us to love him like that if he doesn't love us like that. Right? This morning we know, based on the word of God, God loves us with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength. He loves us. Wow. You know, this is a new year. We have great intentions. We have great hopes. The only problem is we don't have the resources to love like God's commanded us. How can we love like he's commanded us with all our heart, minds, soul, and strength? Matter of fact, I I quickly... Uh, feel overwhelmed. You know, um, we go to a restaurant probably this afternoon, go to a restaurant to eat. And, um, you know, I order green beans and she brings me peas. Now, what should I react? I should go, praise God, I've got food, right? But, you know, I kind of have this perfectionistic tendency. I kind of, when I order something, I kind of like it to be like I ordered it, you know? I kind of had my heart set on whatever. So, I mean, I can get frustrated real quick. Doesn't take, doesn't take much at all. Matter of fact, uh, the needs that cross my path, you know, the people that come towards my life, whether it's family or friends or whatever, who have needs, I quickly feel overmatched. My resources quickly max out. I don't know about your money, but my money maxed out pretty quickly. And according to God's word, we just can't do it. We want to, we want to love as he commands us, but we just can't do it. Let's find the power to love this morning. Let's think of a little, something a little more positive. If you would, turn over to Luke chapter 7. And let's see if we can discover in God's word the power to love. Luke chapter 7. Now, this is a little protracted or uh, whatever, uh, long um, little story that we're going to look at this morning. But to me, it's probably the best illustration of of how we're to find the power from God to love as he's commanded us. 
Now, listen, listen have, have all of you, how many of you brought a Bible with you this morning? Raise your hand. You got a Bible? Good, good. Bring it with you. Bring it with you. Write in it. Make notes in it. Highlight, circle things that God speaks to you. Let it be personal to you. Listen to this, beginning in verse 36. It says, now, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And so he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And when a woman who'd lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's table or the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. And so he canceled the debts of both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Now, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus answered. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I have entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among them, who is this who even forgives sins? But Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go, go in peace. You know, I grew, I grew up going to church over First Baptist, Albany, Georgia. And so the logical conclusion is that growing up in church, going to Sunday school, that that's what enables you to, to be a Christian. But what I see in this text is that, that the power to love doesn't come from like taking a Bible study class. The power to love doesn't come when I earn a, a trophy or, or a certificate after I've worked hard like on a project or something. What I, what I see in this passage of scripture that we just read is this, that the power of love or the power to love actually comes to me. The power to love actually comes to me, actually the power actually pursues me. The power to love like Jesus Christ commands me to only is experienced 
when Jesus Christ himself is in my life. And what is amazing this morning, and I want us to hear anew and afresh this morning, is that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves me. He loves us just like he loved Simon, just like he loved this woman whose name we don't have in this text. He loves us. But you know what? You and I oftentimes have the same problem that Simon has. Even though Jesus really loves us and he's really pursuing us because of of sin, there's like a barrier. There's like a, a separation between us and God. See, the big difference is in this text is the woman, she knew there was a huge separation between her and God. Simon, he wasn't even aware that there was a separation. He thought, man, Simon and God, we're tight. We're buddies. He wasn't even aware there was a huge wall between him and God. The woman was aware of it. Now, There are a lot of things in this life that you would never pretend to know about. You would never be tempted to even pretend or to fake it. One of the things would be, I don't think anybody in here would be tempted to pretend that you know how to replace a transformer on one of Georgia Power's big poles out there. If that blew out right now and we lost all power, I doubt, I, I, maybe there is somebody in this room that would pretend to know. Anybody would say, listen, I'll go fix that myself right now. I'll just climb that pole, take those wires and just fix it right now. Anybody here do that? I didn't think so, okay? I won't think anybody here would pretend that you know how to replace the uranium rods on a nuclear reactor, Okay? Anybody here? You could go do that with your bare hands. You just go take care of that that needed changing. No. None of us would dare pretend that we could do that. I would throw out one other, but I think we have some surgeons in the room. So anyway, I'd say none of us would pretend that we could go do open heart surgery on somebody. But, you know, probably some of y'all are actually trained in how to do that. And I'm glad you are. But there are a lot of things you would never pretend that you could do. But you know what our temptation is? Our temptation is because, and I, I'm just, I grew up in church. I grew up going to church. I grew up sitting, you know, sitting in a pew and hearing, singing the songs and going to Sunday school. Our tendency is to pretend that, well, we should know all about this already. I should understand this. I mean, I've been coming into a building like this for five years straight. Maybe I've never missed a Sunday or 10 years or 15, 30. I should understand. I I should know this. But what happens is oftentimes when we grow up in that environment, like Simon, we can't see the sin that's separating us. From God. See, we, we desperately need to be forgiven. We actually have done tons of things to offend a holy God. 
but we just can't see it. It's, it's just like Simon. Simon could not even, even imagine. He couldn't even imagine that he had ever committed any sins that needed to be forgiven. He just knew she had, the woman that was there that day. And this morning, you don't need me to give you a laundry list of sins. I mean, you know in your heart the things you have done in your life that have hurt your spouse. I mean, you know the things you've done that hurt the one that's closest to you in a relationship that you, that you love. You know those things. I don't need to get up here and give a list of all the things that husbands do that hurt wives or, or all the things that wives do that hurt husbands. You know in your heart what you've done. And if we'll just listen to God this morning, if we'll just listen to him, we know the things we've done in our heart that have wounded the heart of God. Matter of fact, each one of us has committed so many sins that if God didn't reach down and pick us up, we would literally drown in them. But listen to this. This is the good news. This is what's amazing. This is where you find the power to love. This is what's awesome. This is what I can't even believe is true. Unless it was in the Bible, I believe it's true because it is in the Bible. Listen to what it says. Listen, Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know if, you, if, you let, if that means anything to you or not, or if that grips you or not. But let me just tell you what. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says your sins are forgiven, it doesn't matter if, if your teacher says your sins aren't forgiven. It doesn't matter if... Chief of police says your sins aren't forgiven. It doesn't matter if the state of Georgia, if the United States Supreme Court, whatever. It doesn't matter. If Jesus says your sins are forgiven, what? In, in the eyes of God, what happens? Your You're forgiven. You are forgiven. Amen. Amen. You are forgiven. None of us deserve that. Not a one of us has earned that. I'll never forget, you know, the, the illustration that always comes to my mind is, you know, I'll never forget the night that Nancy and I had a date in college scheduled and all this. And it was the same weekend that was the, the uh, student government presidents were all coming to Georgia Southern. And I was supposed to host this event, this event, make this thing happen. So I was hosting this event. And, and you know, we had all the conferences and all the speakers and all this kind of stuff. And then there was the social time that Saturday night afterwards. And as the host, I felt obligated to usher them to the social time. Not just say, y'all get in the vans and go. Big mistake. Okay. All right. Anyway. So, you know, I go to the social time and I'm hanging out with them. And then uh, I call Nancy and I say, you know, I'm on the way. And it's like, where have you been? I thought our relationship was over after that idiotic thing I did. But that's when I learned I could not play the guitar. You know, I'll go over there later that night. And if you go to a, the dorm and you're standing out behind somebody's door playing a guitar badly, <laughs> singing, 
they will come to the door eventually because they're embarrassed that all these other people are hearing this. And I had drawn like this little uh, uh, cartoon, you know, like one of those, like in the newspaper, drawn this little cartoon about this guy meets this girl and she's real pretty. He likes her. And then he just takes a brick and throws it and hits her in the face. I said, that's kind of what I did, you know, to you. And, and um, but what's, what's beautiful is what? The reason I tell the story is what? The reason is because what's beautiful is when you experience what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's why I tell you the story. Is when you, you, and you know when you're forgiven. You, <laughs> in a relationship, you know if you've been forgiven or not. And you know, some of us in relationships haven't been forgiven yet. And you know that too. Amen? I mean, you, can just, you can't hide it. You're either forgiven or you're not. And this morning, you're, even, you're either living in your heart of hearts in a relationship with God based on forgiveness or you're not. And we're all here in church. I mean, we're all going to go to Sunday school. Amen? Yeah. We're all going to go to Sunday. We're all going to do, we're all going to go through the right things. But the question is, in your heart, have you experienced his love and his forgiveness? And you know if you have. You know if you have. That's what Jesus said, is the power to love. Because he says here, the, the one who's been forgiven a lot loves what? A lot. The one who's been forgiven little loves little. The power to love comes from experiencing his love and forgiveness. Now, we're about out of time. So we're going to have to hurry to point three here. Point three is really the, head, the point of the sermon, which unfortunately... When you don't preach a lot, you, you get off balance like this. Okay. Um, missions. A mandate to love. Let's talk about what love actually does. In John 21, 15 through 17. Let's look over there. Flip over there in your Bible. Now, as you recall, Peter had denied Jesus. And um, when he, right before his crucifixion. And now these are resurrection appearances. And so... Jesus is now talking to Peter beside the the lake. And this is what he says, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? You know, Peter said, oh, I love you more than, uh, no matter what happens, others may leave you, I won't leave you, I love you. And of course he had denied him. So he says, Simon, do you love me more than everybody else? He says, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus gave him a command. What was it? Feed my lambs. Again, verse 16, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said what? Take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was obviously hurt because Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Now listen, what does love do this morning? What does love do? The first thing that love does is it responds to Jesus personally. It responds to Jesus personally. Do you love me? 
Jesus asks you this morning, can you respond in your heart of hearts, Lord, I love you, and you know I love you. Second thing, love not only responds personally to Jesus, but thirdly, secondly, love gives and feeds and provides for the sheep and the lambs of Jesus. The Lord is going to lead you to pray. The Lord is going to lead you to give. The Lord is going to lead you to go, to give away your life for the lambs of Jesus. And let me tell you what love does. Love triumphs over competition. Instead of me worrying, as it says here in this passage of Scripture, Peter, in the midst of this conversation with Jesus, he turns and he says, what about John? And and Jesus says, listen, don't worry about your competition. John's not your competition. He's a disciple too. You just focus on following me. Many times when we hear Jesus speak to us, we want to go, well, what about him? What about her? What, What should they be doing? And Jesus says, listen, this morning, just listen to me. Focus on your relationship with me. Respond to me. This isn't about competition with other disciples. This isn't about worrying about, I wonder what God's plan is for Bill Hughes. Uh, I wonder if his plan's better than mine. Uh, God says, what are you, you're crazy, John. Just listen to me. Follow me. Now what's amazing is as people have done that in this church and connected to this church, some have been led by God to go into international missions. That means they picked up their homes and they have moved to places like whatever, Botswana or South Africa or, or Mozambique or, or whatever. God has called them and, and they have sensed that's what God wanted them to do. And so this morning, I want to challenge you You've heard the challenge all month long, but I want to challenge you this morning to pray for those in our church as well as the 5,000 other missionaries. And I want to challenge you this morning to give, to support these men and women like the Nalls and others that are a part, was it Sky, that were here just, you know, to support them in their mission, our mission. I want to challenge you to do that. The needs are tremendous. There is no doubt that we could use, evangelicals could use as well as Southern Baptists could use, more men and women like ourselves on the mission field. How is that going to happen? How are these people going to be reached? Let me tell you, it's going to take prayer. It's going to take prayer. Because I know if you're like me, as soon as I held up that offering envelope, you thought, man, I don't, listen, we just got through Christmas. What do you mean asking for money for missions? We don't have, you know, I'm, I'm tapped out. This is going to take prayer. We need to pray for God to call, for people to give. And you know what? I'm painfully aware, just by being on this church staff for six years, how many and how much our own mission trips we need. We need to go and to share. Whether it's Jamaica, whether it's China, whether it's Nicaragua, wherever. We need to go. How is that going to happen? 
How are you going to get off work? How are you going to be able to go? How are you going to be able to afford it? How are we going to do We've got to pray. We've got to give. We've got to trust God. How's that going to happen? Only when the love of God has filled our hearts. And brothers and sisters, if you noticed in your, in your bulletin today, there's a little thing here that says something about faith. Faith. Listen, I wish it wasn't so. Okay? But, I, I mean, I wish this wasn't true what I was about to tell you, but we live in the most wonderful town, I believe, in all the United States. Amen? Don't, don't y'all like Tifton? I love Tifton. I think it's the greatest place that I've ever lived. I'm being honest. And I've lived in a lot of towns. And it's a great town. But let me tell you, there are a lot of people in our community who just never personally connected to Jesus Christ. They're wonderful people. Some of the brightest people in the world, some of the kindest people in the world, they've never connected to Jesus Christ. And, and unfortunately, they're not going to walk into a church building over these next two or three years to find Jesus. Somebody's going to have to contact them one-on-one. Somebody's going to have to visit them either in their office or at their home or whatever and share Christ. That's what this faith program is all about. I encourage you or your Sunday school class to have a faith team, to be a part of sharing Jesus Christ with, let's just throw out a number. There are 40,000 people in this community, probably half, don't know Christ. There's 20,000 people around us who don't know Him. Come, be equipped, be, learn how to share your faith. How is that going to happen? It's only if we're motivated by the love of by the love of God. I think it's time for Sunday school. It is. And since I'm head of Sunday school, we're going to get out of here on time. Okay? You may say, Lord, I can't do this. That's what you're supposed to say. Lord, I need you. I can only do it by your strength. In a moment, we're going to have a word of prayer. And then I'm going to extend the invitation. If God has spoken to your heart and you want to know that personal forgiveness, you want to know how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to come forward. If in recent days you've already trusted Jesus, you gave your heart to him, you know he's forgiven you, well, I want to invite you to make that public, to come forward and to say, I want to be his disciple. I want to be baptized. I want to be a part of this church. Or perhaps you've already trusted Christ. You've already been baptized. You're already a believer. And you're seeking with all your heart. Where is a place I can connect with some people? Get into God's word and grow as a Christian. Where I one day would, would might want to share my faith. Or, or one day I might have the courage to, to go on a mission trip or something. I, I know I'm not there spiritually where God wants me there. But I want to be a part. Well, let me tell you. Come connect. God, God doesn't play favorites. He works in all of our lives if we'll just yield to him. So I just invite you to respond. Perhaps this morning you just need to come and pray. Uh, we, we've got a long way to go, in, in essence, for our goal, for the, for the international missions offer. You might just want to come and pray that God would just move on people's hearts to give. You might want to come and, and take one of the envelopes here. You might want to come and take one of the informations about faith that's up here at the altar. You just may want to pray. Whatever God's laying on your heart, we're going to stand together. Would you stand right now? Join me in prayer. 
And then we'll sing our invitation song. Lord Jesus, apart from you, we have no hope. I know there are a lot of things in my life that I've done, Lord, out of embarrassment. Lord, there are a lot of things I've done in my life out of guilt. Lord, I know there are a lot of things I've done in my life out of competition. But Lord, we see in your word today that the motivation you desire for our lives is to be love. Love that we've experienced from you through your forgiveness. Father, the needs are overwhelming in terms of the mission. But Lord, you're a great God. You're an awesome God. And your love is so real. So this morning as we sing this time of invitation, Lord, we just pray that you would move on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, you come as the Lord speaks to you.